all during this week, I've been feeling the direction and leading of the Lord to minister regarding a topic that probably all of us think we know something about. Still a little bit too much echo in here. It's something that we do, all of us. And uh, sometimes it really becomes something that just is a response. And because we've been doing it since the moment that we got saved, and probably some people who do it even when they're not saved, we kind of think that we know what it's all about, and the topic that I'm talking about is prayer. 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 When you ask people about prayer, the first thing that comes to their mind is this religious connotation. It's uh, something that I address either formally or out of memorization or spontaneously and you know, to some kind of divine being, you know, pray. But then, you know, we, we use it as an exclamation, pray for me, you know. I'll pray for you. We pray. I remember as a young minister, when we first started the church, and then I saw some uh, prayer teachings. I don't know if you, some of you remember the prayer wheel. Remember, I divided all little pies and how much time to spend here, how much time to spend there. All categorized, all systematized. And, uh, you know, we, we were the authorities on prayer. You know, we, we figure that if we pray for a half hour, that was good. But if you prayed for an hour, better two hours. Ooh. And some people couldn't help but just tell us of their phenomenal devotion to prayer. We were talking to a man on the street the other day who we wanted to come along and do some work for us, and maybe he will during the spring. And uh, we were talking about our church and the needs uh, of our church regarding some of these issues. And uh, he's a brother, and I appreciate him and love him. But, again, I'm just using them as an example. I'm not trying to be critical. But I think the thing that he, you know, he wanted us to be assured in his relationship with the Lord. So the thing he told us, he gets up, what, 4 o'clock every morning? Every morning. I get up 4 o'clock and I spend at least two hours before the Lord in prayer. And as if that's a badge of maturity. And most Christians would say, wow. And maybe we'd be envious and maybe we'd doubt ourselves a little bit because we don't pray that long or pray that much or, or constantly in prayer. You know, like Paul said, uh, he, you know, he prays without ceasing. And he went, how in the world does he do that? And so we've mechanized prayer. We've kind of, that's right, Joseph, thank you. We've categorized prayer and uh, systematized it. And we pray. Can I be very transparent with you this morning? Well, I, that's probably, forgive me for asking because I'm going to be anyway. <laughs> Whether you want me to be or not. I, how many times, let me put it this way. There have been times that I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed regarding a certain situation and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've invoked the name of Jesus. I've, you know, I've yelled, I've screamed, I, I've spit all over my face and, you know, just you know, took authority over things. And... So then I began to wonder, what's wrong with me? You know, I really want to think what's wrong with God, but I, you know, I don't want to go there. You know, why isn't God answering me? God's not answering my prayer. Then we go to the church and we hear testimony services. People, oh, I prayed. I didn't have any money and God sent a $1,000 check to me. 
Oh, I prayed in that old beat-up car that I have. God replaced it with a brand-new Cadillac. And you're sitting there trying to say hallelujah, and you're thinking, what about me, huh? I pray. You have a loved one not feeling well, someone who's terminally ill. So we pray, pray, pray. We know miracles take place. We had a person die in our church service several years ago, dead. They had the leads on them and everything else. I mean, morte. Turned purple, not breathing. 45 minutes before the, what are the ETMs? EMTs came and, you know, cut open his shirt and exposed it, putting all these leads. And we're looking there, a guy's dead. And then my wife goes up to us and says, Ralph Saunders, God has not ordained you to die. He had that prophecy earlier that morning, an herb morning service. And as soon as she says that, he begins to cough. <coughs> and a whole, war, a whole church goes ballistic, including the EMTs. Is that it? And the police and everybody that was there. Yeah, we had politicians because we were doing something with the politicians during that time. It was around election time. We've seen it. And then we are praying for a loved one. You know what God can do. And you've heard people preach, take authority. Step out in faith. So you do all those things, and then a person dies on you. And you don't say anything because you're not allowed. You're a Christian. But boy, somewhere deep in the recesses of our humanity, what happened? Why didn't God? Well, just the Lord wanted to take more. So we, we reconcile that with some, you know, uh, some positive factor. We're searching for some positive. And we say it with our mouths, but in our inner man, we may be upset. Why did you let my son die? My daughter died, my sister, my brother, my mother, my father, my friend. And yet, you heal all these people. And we're, we want answers to that, but you know what? Because we have to keep this pretense of super duper holy person, we're intimidated and asking questions about it. We're afraid that if I ask a question like why, maybe somebody will accuse me of not having faith. Or maybe the response is, well, you've got to have more faith. You know, Jesus said if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be removed. You probably don't have enough faith. So you walk away thinking, well, man, maybe it's my fault they died. Maybe it's their fault. Oh, no, they, they should have had faith. So I want to talk to you about the effect of prayer this morning. Give you an understanding from Jesus' perspective, from a couple of incidences in the Gospels, and get you to understand what prayer is all about. It's not simply supplicating and petitioning God to take care of one of our needs. Let me begin right from the very, very top. I know I should probably weave this into the body of the sermon so that it has more impact, but I just want to say this emphatically right now. Prayer is not merely telling God what's going on in your life or somebody else's life. Guess what? He already knows. 
he already, what prayer is, effective communication in prayer is when we allow God to speak to us. We come, we put our petitions on the altar, says, Lord, these are the things that are going on in my life, and I don't know what to do about it, so please give me your understanding. Or remind me that you've empowered me with your grace so that I can go through this thing if there's a value, if there's a purpose that you have at the end of this circumstance. How many people can get healed unless they've first been sick? How many people can be delivered? Unless first they're in bondage. James wrote an interesting few words in his epistle. Well, the whole epistle is interesting. But one that we oftentimes refer to is in James 5th chapter, 16th verse. And it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, we Pentecostals, we emphasize the fervency of prayer. Got to get excited. I've told you this before, but it sounds so sacrilegious. I don't like most prayer meetings, especially with preachers. I'm going to be very honest. Because you go there, and it seems like Everybody is praying their last sermon or newest understanding. <laughs> and they're doing it, you know, with great fervency, walking up and down. And I'm trying to pray and just get, communicate with God. And all of a sudden, yay, the Lord is, and, okay, and the Lord, God, as you know, in John 3, 16, it says, and I'm not criticizing them. It sounds that way, I know. What I'm saying is that one of the major problems that the church has today, we don't understand the medium of prayer. We don't know how to pray you pray, we know how to pray fervently. But fervency without effectiveness accomplishes nothing. So what is the, what, what, what is that element that causes our prayers to be effective prayers? Well, let's take this from a negative perspective, first of all. I'm going to show you and the incident that happened in the life of Jesus, where prayer didn't work. Okay? So let's turn in the Gospel of St. Mark. Chapter 9. And we begin by reading verse 14, and we go all the way through verse 29. There's a lot of verses there. I pray that you will take the time this afternoon to really look into them. But I'm going to highlight certain of these verses rather than try to speak them all right now. You have them there before you. This is an interesting situation. And the way it begins, you wouldn't think that the purpose of this incident that happened in the life of Jesus was in any way connected to effectual prayer life. But like I said, we're going to look at it from a negative perspective. And so we all are aware of the story of this father who had a son, who the Bible says was possessed with a demon. His son would go into fits and, uh, and, and just throw himself into fire throw himself into a body of water trying to burn himself. Can you possibly stop for a moment and empathize with that father? 
I mean, sometimes we read these stories as, you know, they're just, you know, history and strangers. But that's my brother. Can you get into his own skin for a moment and feel the beat of his heart? Seeing his son convulse and go through all kinds of foaming at the mouth and jumping in fires. And can you imagine how this man must have lived his life? I mean, he couldn't go to work like normal. Somebody had to be assigned to his son 24-7. He had to sleep with one eye open. Imagine the pain, the frustrations, the hurt. And then one day, while he's just listening to some people talk, someone says, man, you should have seen what I saw yesterday. What's that, Amos? Well, we were in, the, in this village, and this guy who had a demon, uh, you know, and, 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 and this, this, this carpenter kid, uh, I think his name is Jesus, came along and, and cast the demon out. Man, they went into a bunch of pigs and jumped over the, uh, the cliff. Wow, they delivered. And the man's thinking, wow, that happened. Oh, yeah, I was there. I saw it. This man is a miracle worker. And he looks at his son. And for a moment or two, maybe there's a spark of hope or a spark of excitement. Could it? And he is desperate enough that he'll stop whatever he's doing to go and find this man. And he goes, hears the disciples and Jesus preaching someplace, sees his disciples, but Jesus' time when he first came to the disciples, he and Peter and John and uh, James, they were up on a mountain, Jesus being transformed before their very eyes. And uh, they're saying, wow, this is powerful, oh, terrific, yeah, great. They want to build a memorial. And Jesus says, you don't understand what this revelation is all about. It's not, you know, the revelation of my glory is not so that you can build a memorial to, 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 to memorialize it. It's to give you an understanding of my authority, my power, and who I am. Oh, yeah, 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 but we still should build an altar here. So they're coming down from the mountain, crowds all in an uproar. Jesus wondering what's going on, but this man had found his way to this place. The disciples were there, and I'm sure that he probably, although the Bible doesn't say anything, but I'm sure he was witnessing all kinds of things taking place. So he gets in the prayer line. And brings his son to the disciples. And they look at him and say, yes, my son, what is it with the, the, what is your need? Well, my son is demon-possessed, and he's, he throws himself, oh, okay. And now we ask healing right now. And the man, the father, stands back and he's pleading. Please, please, please. Now! The boy starts convulsing again. They pray again. Now the whole team gets around him. Everybody's laying hands on him, shaking him. And All their fervency availeth nothing. The boy's still convulsing. And so there was an argument. And this is when Jesus and his little troop come down and says, what's going on? What are you arguing with among yourselves, he asks. Verse 17, the man in the crowd said, hey, teacher, 
I listen to the words very carefully because there's some misconceptions that we have as Christians when we pray. Notice this. He says, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Do you see this? You see what just what happened here? He said, I've come to you. How did he come to Jesus? Through an intermediary. Through someone else. Oh, these guys know you. These guys are with you. They've been trained by you. So why don't I go to them and have them pray for him instead of waiting for you? How many times the first thing we do when we got a problem, we're calling up the pastor, we're calling up this one, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, but I'm saying, what is your expectation? Are you trying to reach Jesus through the ministry? Let me tell you something. We have direct access to him. Yes, we come to one another in prayer and there's a bonding in prayer, but the bonding in prayer is not for the empowerment of prayer. It's for the revelation of what God wants to do at that time. When the disciples, what did the disciples do when they couldn't heal this boy? as if it was their authority. They began to argue with one another. Well, you know, if you had more faith, well, if you fasted more, if you gave more, if you go to church, if you've stopped sinning. The father thought that the deliverance for the son came by him appealing to the disciples to intercede on his behalf. We are called to joint intercession. When we intercede, we are joined in intercession. But don't think that because you come to me and say, Bishop, pray for me, that I am your intercessor. It's joint intercession. And your dependency is not on me. It's upon the two of us coming into agreement as to what God's purpose is for this particular situation. Have you ever thought that Maybe it is God's will that we go through our suffering and pain. Hey, you can tell your friends about me, eight heart attacks, two open heart surgeries, valve replaced, this and that, all kinds of mechanical things in my body keeping me alive, and I'm preaching like I'm a 20-year-old kid. But the only reason you can say that is because I went through it. And all the time I'm going through it, I'm going through looking at every situation being a missionary opportunity. My mission field was the hospital, was the operating room, the doctor's office. I didn't consider it, oh man, this is such a burden. I considered a privilege to have an opportunity because of my circumstance to share the gospel of hope with all people. And maybe that's the reason God allows afflictions and, and to come into our lives. 
so that we would have that same missionary opportunity to share the grace of God with all the people that come in contact with us. So instead of cursing it, why don't you look for ways to sanctify it? I know there's a lot of preachers, and I'm being one of them, who minister to you about the authority we have as a child of God, and we do. But I want to tell you something about that authority. <laughs> I have authority. I have the authority to invoke the name of Jesus in any situation, and things change just like that. But I got to remember something about my authority. You know what it is? It's not my authority. It's not my authority. I'm allowed to use it. I've been ordained to go forth and to bring his will into prominence in every situation. But notice it's his will, not my will. So when I'm praying, invoking the authority of the name of Jesus, I better know what it is that God wants to invoke at that particular time. Some of us think that our ministry is, is qualified and validated by our miracles. The minute you start getting credit for somebody's healing is the minute that your whole ministry is in decline. Well, let's go to this one. We're going to go, we're going to, go to Jesus for prayer. Let's see. Oh, here's Brother uh, Miracle Maker over here. Let's go to his tent. Let's go to this revival. I'm not saying that going to tents and revival is bad, but I'm saying we need to get our understanding on what prayer is all about. Prayer is not about someone being fervent over us and proclaiming all kinds of mantras. You know, even the name of Jesus can become a mantra. No, no, no. It's, it's getting to the point where we know, recognize, understand, and act in the will of God. Have you ever thought of praying regarding your circumstances and laying before the Lord instead of begging him, beseeching him, please deliver me from this, please deliver me from this? Have you ever thought of maybe laying down there and just saying, hey, Lord, why am I going through this? You trying to get my attention regarding something? Or do you want to use me for your honor and glory? And I'm like... Lord, I'm not going to tell you what to do with my body. I just want you to tell me what your will is. How can you use my circumstances for your glory? You know, sometimes... Not, God. The other night I was talking to a candidate to be a principal in, in Cambodia. A wonderful young man, Pittsburgh boy. He's over in Jakarta. He's done phenomenal things. He's got his PhDs and XYZs and LMNOPs. And my wife was sharing with him some of the things that uh, I have had to go through in my medical history. And, <laughs> you know, when I go into the, every time I go to the doctor's office, they always shake their heads. I mean, they shake their heads. I had one doctor actually come over to me and look at my chart and look at me, look at me. Were you in the office when he did that? He looked at me and he says, Mr. Brennan, I, 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 I just hope i got to say something to you. I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at your chart, and what I see with you is not what I see in this chart. It's the grace of God. Said, well, it's got to be something. So this young man, he got excited, 
and he wanted to show his compassion for me, and I appreciate it and love it. And he began to pray for me. And he made a, he cried out, God, give Bishop Benedict a new heart. And while I'm appreciative of it, I recognize that this individual didn't know how to pray according to God's will. And I almost stopped him, but I said, no, I, you know, he's in Jakarta, I'm in Pittsburgh, you know, this, and I'll give him the wrong impression. But I wanted to say to him, please don't. If I get a new heart, that's a one-time miracle. But the way I am right now, I'm a walking miracle. I'm a walking miracle. How are you still alive? People want to ask me when they see me if they haven't seen me in a long time. And I can say, by the grace of God. As children, we have the authority to turn adversity into blessing. We have the power to turn the negative into the positive. See, that's prayer. Now, let's, let's, let's continue on with this a little bit. So he says, well, I asked your disciples to drive them out, the spirit, but they could not. And then Jesus just, a little bit of exasperation, I think, is showing through. He says, oh, unbelieving generation. Well, <laughs> listen, how long? Do I have to stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Guys, I've been teaching you. I've been preaching you. I've been showing you. I've been living with you. Day and night we've been together. And you still don't seem to get it. Bring me the boy. See, that's where they should have gone to first. But, you know, we do have a delegated authority. But when it wasn't operating the way we thought it should or expected it to, then what we need to do is sit back and say, you know what? Let's inquire of the Lord what the situation is all about. So they brought him to him. And the moment that the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. Let me tell you something. Just saying the name of Jesus, just calling yourself a Christian, just declaring I've got the power of God, doesn't mean it's so. But I'll tell you, if you really are walking in the dynamics of his spirit, demons have got to fall before you. They will recognize it sometimes before everybody else does. You can talk it up. And talk might impress people. The seven sons of Sceva, they know what I'm talking about. They talk about, hey, in the name of Jesus, we command you to come out. I said, hey, you know, Paul, we know. The other guys we know. We know Jesus, we know. Well, who in the world are you? We got to be careful that when we're praying, we're praying the ambassadorial prayer of the Lord, not the conviction that we have, not the sentiment that we have. All right, so. So they brought him, and when the Spirit said, and Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the father answered again, feeling the heaviness the sorrow, the the torment of his father. He says, from childhood. Again, imagine that. Every day of your life. From childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Oh, God. Look at my predicament. 
I'm in such torment. I'm in such need. And I'm not even praying for myself. Lord, and he can, the petition, heal me, heal her, do the, and then he shows the value of his faith in the next statement. And here it is in a nutshell. He said, but if you can do anything, take pity on me and help us. Sometimes we confuse piety and pity. We think that when we come and we're begging and supplicating, flagnating ourselves and, and torturing ourselves and doing everything we're supposed oh, you know, I'll do this, God. Uh, yeah, I'll give this and if you'll only do this. I'm in a dire circumstance. And if you can, yeah, I, I, I know that things have happened. When I'm talking about this case now, I don't know, if you can, if you want to, if, if, I really need you to. Please, 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 please. Ever been in a supermarket walking by the toy aisle and a little kid is sitting in the cart? Mommy, 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 I want that. Mommy, 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 I want that. Mommy, mommy. Well, in human situations and relationships, usually the parent gives up and says, shut up here, put her in the car. <laughs> That's not God's temperament. And I'm not trying to belittle our petitions. We are to come to God with our petitions. But we don't come to God with our petitions demanding that he acts according to our expectations. And Jesus caught it immediately. Did you catch it? Did you see it? He heard what the man was saying. He had a measure of the man's faith. And he said, if you can, when you come looking for me, you've had my disciples pray for your son. Now you're saying, if I can. What has been your exercise then? Why have you gone through these things if you're wondering if I can? If I can. So he says. Everything. Is possible. For him. Who believes. Everything. Is possible. For him. Who believes. True. But there's a hidden caveat in that statement. Everything is possible for them who believe. See, that word believe there is not just that simple of saying, yeah, intellectually, I have agreement with it. That word believe here is I am in agreement with the will and the word of God. So everything is possible to them who are in accordance and agreement with God's will because God isn't going to agree with you because you're the boss, because you're the big shot. He says, you find my will, then speak my will in agreement. And when you speak my will in agreement, then we are bound together. And the authority that is God begins to flow through me. It's his authority, not my authority. Right. Not my, Jesus understood that. Not my will, Father, be done. But thy will. Now, I want you to con contrast what this 
cry of the father with the supplication of the leper in Matthew uh, chapter 8. Remember the leper came to him. The father says, if you can. That's what he's been saying. To all the if he can, if he can, please have pity. You know, he's doing it. At, he, respond to pity. No, respond to will. When the leper came, he knelt before the Lord and he said, Lord, not if you can, but if you are willing. It's not about what you can or cannot do. It's not about what taking pity on me and saving me and delivering me from my affliction. It's, Lord, I'm here. If you will. I'm more important in your will. It's more important to me your will than your do. When Jesus turned and saw that the crowd was running to him, seeing, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he says, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. You know, sometimes the miracles of God, people look at them and say, oh my God, it's a failure. When it's been a success, just because it doesn't look the way you think it should look. He's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, here's the sum, the substance the meat of this message. His disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out the demon? You've given us authority. We exercise and power your name. Why couldn't we do this? Jesus said, this type of situation can only invoke God's intervention. Work out. By prayer. King Jane Version adds, fasting. But I'm sad to disappoint my religious friends. Fasting is not in the original text. Doesn't appear there at all. We got to do something to to get God to uh, approve what we have asked Him to do. Okay, God, if, 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 I'll tell you what. I'll be my. I won't eat. I won't. Fasting is not about victimizing your body. When a true fast is when a person takes the money that he would have used for food and he goes out and he shares it in the time that he would have been feeding them. He shares it with others. Praise with others. It's not this, you know, I'm going to hold my breath. <gasps> As if we, we can condition God to answer our prayer. Now, you see, it's interesting because when we read the English word there, we really don't understand what the effect of prayer really is because all we read was prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R. We look at the dictionary, we find a definition. Hey, but the fact is, folks, let me tell you something. That word's not an adjective, it's a noun. 
And it's a noun that is connected to another noun. And I don't want to get into an English class with you this morning. But it, it belongs to, the, the, the noun that it belongs to, in, this, in the original Greek, if you look it up in Strong's or any of the other Greek dictionaries, you will find that it says, pray to God. until you start reading and you start seeing the commentators backtrack. Well, we know that it really isn't saying pray to God, but we can't really take a little translation and apply it here because it makes no sense. Because a little translation is not pray to God. The prayer of pray to God, it's literally, literally translated the prayer of God. effective prayer when we're coming into situations that we need God to intervene is not by me praying to him but it's allowing my vessel to be used by him so that he yes. could flow through me and take authority over the circumstance so it isn't just and yeah there are times we pray to God but when you're looking God's authority to get involved in the circumstance, the situation in your life, it's not your prayers to God that's going to work. It's going to be God's prayer. The prayers of God. Lord, what do you want done? If thou be willing, you can heal me. Charismatics have been so afraid of the word willing because they think that it compromises faith. It doesn't. It, it enforces faith. Because it says, you know what? I don't care what the circumstances and situations are. I don't care how it's resolved. I'm still going to serve you. Hallelujah. That's right. Whew. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous. That avails much. Fervency alone doesn't cut it. Religious activities doesn't cut it. Praying through intermediaries doesn't cut it. It's coming before the Lord. And saying, Lord, I know you know what the situation is that I'm confronted with right now. I just need your direction. I just need to know your will. And even if you don't speak anything to me, I know I have faith in that amazing grace. That will keep me from all these things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No evil is going to overcome me. See, that's the faith we need. That regardless of the circumstances and situations we're involved, it's not faith to get out of it. The faith to know that through this, God is going to be glorified. Hallelujah. That's our faith. getting it, aren't you? Alex, something is happening in your life right now. You've been absorbing all of this like a sponge. I told you long before by the Spirit of the Lord that God has his hand on you for amazing things. You're going to be a testimony. Many, many people are going to come to the Lord because of what God is doing through you. It's either in testimony or through ministry. But this is a sermon that you've absorbed. And you say, Lord, I have understanding. Because you've been wondering about prayer. Why sometimes I can pray if things have something. And God has shown you, son, it's not about what you want. It's but about what I want to do. You hear me? The effectiveness of prayer 
So when we pray, we always say, Lord, however you want to work this out is fine with me. If you want there to be a miraculous so that people can get excited about it, go for it. But if you want me just to be that walking billboard of grace, and when people see me coming, they see grace. When people see me going, they see grace. When they look down on my head, they see grace. When they look at my feet, they see grace. Come on. Come on. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering. Hallelujah. Effective prayer. You know, in my humanity, what I would say right now is I wish that I was speaking to a thousand preachers, but you know what? I'm preaching this message to the people that God wanted me to preach it to. And the fact that only we are here is perfect as far as God is concerned. He'll get it out to somebody else, through somebody else. But this message wasn't intended for the world. This message was intended for you and me. God spoke to us this morning, is speaking to us, preparing us for circumstances and situations that in our mind we don't want to think that we would ever have to go through. How many times you thought you saw somebody involved in a tragedy or a terrible situation and you said, God, I, I never want to go. I, I couldn't go through that. Uh, that's such a misunderstanding. You can't go through it. Uh, God already says, you know, if you go through something, it's because I already evaluated your ability to resist it. God is faithful with every test, with every trial, with every temptation. He has already made a way of escape. So don't say, I can't go through it. Just say, God, if you're putting me through it, you're either going to deliver me right now or I'm going to be a testimony of your grace. Do you think God abandoned the martyrs when they walked into the amphitheaters and had their bodies devoured by wild beasts? Oh, God neglect. No. God used their sacrifice as a testimony upon which the foundation of the church was laid. Deliverance wasn't the important thing. The manifestation of grace was. Lord, teach us to pray. Oh, let me just add this. Hold on, Joe, just for a second. I, I know I should have finished, but this thought just crept into my mind. And I'm not trying to make this as a doctrinal statement, I know. I'm just trying to make this as a practical statement. I believe that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost had a purpose that was much more relevant than just people 2,000 years later speaking in tongues. You know, as if it proves that you're more spiritual than somebody else. Proves nothing. But I'll tell you what the value of a spiritual language is. And, and, and it's not in increasing your power. Because power doesn't come through tongues. It comes by the Spirit. But you know what the value of tongues? Is that when I'm before God and I'm contending in my heart what to say, what to do, how to pray, I don't have to depend upon my intellectual facilities to speak the mind of God. Paul tells me that when I speak in these things and these sounds and these utterings, I'm speaking mind to mind to God. So the value of tongues is not that it makes us super saints. 
but that it just gives your spirit man an escape valve of expression. So don't prohibit the speaking in tongues in your own life. How many, how many times can you, you know why sometimes our, our, our prayer life is limited to 10, 15 minute segment and we don't know what else to say. Pray in your spirit. Pray in your spirit. And maybe your intellect doesn't understand what God is saying, but your spirit man will. And your spirit man has a wonderful way of communicating God's will to your understanding. Sing in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. I honestly believe that for us to be effective in prayer, that we probably have to pray more without our understanding than with our understanding. Well, my prayer to you this morning is that this has been a message that you can go home with. And I think they're going to make tapes out of this or CDs or whatever they do. And I, I do know whoever's in charge of that, I want a copy. Because I like to hear what I said because I really am more surprised by what I say than you are sometimes. But I love you all. Let this holiday season, this Christmas time, be a time that we use to bring the glory of the story of Christ's birth. Don't be intimidated. It's not about a holiday. It's about Jesus Christ. Say it everywhere. When they say happy holidays to you, you say Merry Christmas. I'm celebrating them. You notice what our sign says out front? Celebrating the birth of the King of Kings. In case they didn't know who Jesus was. Dave, you say his name is? Warren. Warren has been such a blessing to Pastor Gideon helping us put that sign up there. Well, you know, that's... Yeah, he does. But we give recognition, too. I mean, he gets all the glory, but we get recognition. He's a brother of the guy who who's owns or runs or does something at Revival, and he comes up to take care of their landscaping and everything, and every time he comes, he's always looking to... Uh, Pastor Gideon doing something here, doing something. Went out and he went out and bought us a board that we can stick up there. So, yeah, we 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 just wanted to. I'm not trying to edify you. What I'm what I'm saying is I want to use you as an example. As an example, of the response when you know sometimes we only bless our own church, and we think that's great. You know sometimes you go someplace else, and be a equal blessing. There's something you can do for them, do it. Amen. Better get up there before I continue <laughs> preaching. Good to have you with us this morning, my brother. Good to have you with us. And want your brother in this place. <laughs> and we're going to get him. We're going to get him. Yeah, get no, no, on. we're going to get him. We're going to put the, the seed in them to come to our, our uh, uh, Christmas Eve celebration. And then I'm going to ask if he wants our singers to go and sing. <laughs> well, we don't need his food. I cook better than him anyhow. <laughs> don't tell him I said so. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Bishop. I'm going to ask oh. everyone to stand. And we're leaving here with understanding this morning on how to be effectual. Effectual. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you so much for the understanding and the word that you gave to our bishop this morning yes. and the ability that you've given to him to just break it down that it might make sense to us so that we could use that wisdom, Lord. Yes. Father, our greatest desire is to do your will and to be a blessing to you by our obedience. And Father, I thank you for this key this morning. Now, I bless this people. Before you I do that, hold on, Pastor. I'm yes. I to interrupt. Before we do that, the way the service went today, again, we didn't have an opportunity to come and bring our offerings and 
whatever, I don't want you to miss out on your blessings. So why don't we sing a chorus or two and wait and see if anybody would like to bring an offering to the Lord and then we can do the benediction because part of worship, and I've been teaching this in our seminary, part of worship is in our gifts and offerings that we bring to the Lord. That's an expression of worship. Paul said when uh, Euphrodites came and brought the offering from a, from a distant, uh, distant church and brought it to the Apostle Paul, Paul said that offering was a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. It's a sacrifice. It's, it's the gifts that we bring. So I don't want to stop the service and not have everybody have an opportunity. So Pastor Joe, praise team, maybe you want to come up and just sing a chorus or two, and then after we do, then Pastor Gideon, you come on up, okay? We give you praise. Let's bless the Lord. We give you praise. Lord, within us, Lord. We all sing. We give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Praise. We give you praise. With our hands lifted high and our voices to the sky, we give you sing that we give you praise Lord now and always we give you praise Lord now Lord Father, we praise you. We praise your mighty hands. 
in your goodness, Jesus, for you alone are worthy. You are high and you are lifted up above every situation. Your name is exalted above every situation, Jesus. And this morning we glorify you and ask that you would give us your grace that we might go in your service and do that which you've ordained us to do for your people and this community that you've placed us in. Father, I bless this congregation now to go and to be your hands and feet, to be your mouthpiece, to speak the prayer of God in every situation they encounter. I release them into your service. In Jesus' name, go and be a blessing. I receive that. Thank you.